All right, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <coughs> oh, my God. What's, I didn't have a drink of anything. Acid reflux. How dare you? I get acid <laughs> reflux. I, I have coughing fits in the middle of almost every night. Really? Like just in the middle yeah, of the I night? Wake myself, I wake myself up just dry coughing because of, I think because of acid reflux. Wow. I feel like I need to be sleeping standing up anyway. <laughs> like, like a Borg. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> All right. Hi, I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. This week, we're discussing two Sia penned songs, Britney Spears' Perfume and Christina Aguilera's You Lost Me. Despite Sia's rising popularity as one of pop music's most sought-after songwriters, her talents did not translate into hits for these rival princesses of pop. Oh my god! I read that sentence. Amazing. I know. I was I thought for <laughs> when I was typing that sentence out. I was like, this sentence has so many apostrophe well, s's and like well, nested like prepositional phrases. And I when like, I, I don't know. when I wrote the first draft, I was like, oh, is this gonna be like I was because I I like I like a lot of commas and like additional clauses. Mm. And I was like, is Barry gonna be able to read this? I was like, I'll just write this here, and he can do it. Yeah, you and I share that uh, extraneous use of commas <laughs> thing. I remember back in the Zanga days, um, Eric Eric commented once on my Zanga that was like, oh, that's a lot of commas. Or like, you must really love commas. Ugh. I was like, hey, man. Hey, there are a lot of nested thoughts within yeah. a thought. <laughs> it's complex. We're being thorough, you know? Anyway, how are you? I'm good. We're, we're Yeah, we're here. Um Consider this my official initiation of greetings and salutations. Um, How are you? I mean, you're not sweating over there, obviously, right? Because it's kind of cold. No, this it's I, it's cold. It's cooled down. Um, yeah, no. This morning I had to put a sweatshirt on because it was actually very, very yeah. cold inside our Look, house. I am wearing thermal yeah. shirt. <laughs> I mean, I came into the garage to record, and I had to take the sweatshirt off because it, it's like this time of day. Like the sun just kind of shines mm. directly on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I am perhaps wildly unprepared for today's episode. Well, I, yeah. I mean, okay. So, so today we're talking about Britney versus Christina, not really Britney versus Christina. That whole thing is very, overblown, we're just using right? that but, as a, as a, as a, uh, wink and a nod sort of framing yeah. device. It's a framing device. Yes. Um, but I, I mean, I have always considered myself more of a Britney stan. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that this has been clear throughout our friendship together that, you know, at least in the first maybe four or five albums for Britney Spears, I was very much there for her. I was very much there for all of that music. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's subsided in recent years and we can get kind of get into that when we talk about what we're talking about today. But um, I've never cared for Christina Aguilera, really. (laughs) Like, you know, I've never seen the appeal you hate no, i'll take it back hateful no i mean okay so there's like there's like ins and outs for me for christina aguilera and i think that this is something also that's distinctive between the two of them is that britney spears is kind of like uh she's kind of like the hot dog factory where it's just like this very consistent homogenized product that just comes out of uh. the assembly line for 
years. decades, right? Christina Aguilera is more like artisanal chocolate or something where it's like well, batch batch to batch. You don't know what you're going to get. Every, this is it, true. It, it okay, that, very that, if rarely. you put it that way, then yes. And and yeah, we'll get into that. Um, you have a certain expectation about like, oh, Christina Aguilera is coming out with something new. I wonder what it's going to be. What is it going to sound like? Who is she working with? How is she going to sound? Yeah. Britney Spears, it's pretty consistent. Like, it's going to be another Oscar Mayer Wiener coming out. Uh-huh. Of the You're going to be able to know? dance to it. There's going to be club tracks. Exactly. She's not doing something completely yeah. outrageous yeah. with any of her music. Yeah. I think as, as we'll see. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I I don't want to sound like I'm trashing Christina Aguilera. It's just that she's never been. I I never picked that pony. Yeah, well, really. and I mean, in you know the 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 mirror is true for me. Like I I don't mm-hmm. dislike Britney Spears, but she was never my girl. Like I you know obviously, you know, dance to the hit. The hits are great, and like when you're when you're in the clubs and you know you're you're out dancing with your friends, um, especially at that time, like nothing really compares to those songs they're they're great Mm -hmm. but i can i do not know how many albums she's had i do not know which songs that i enjoy are on which album like i didn't realize that Mm. the song we're going to talk about today was the follow-up single to work bitch i didn't think they were on the same album at all like to me and in my mind these are may as well have been years apart and and so you know i only ever really experienced britney at the club or through friends, she wasn't someone I really, I, I don't enjoy her voice in, in the same way. Um, yeah. And I've always been sort of a, you know, like Christina, I'm a ballad queen. We've talked about this. Um, yeah. But, you know, th- there there are limits, e- even with Christina, obviously. Um, and I'm not, I don't consider myself a Christina stan. Yeah. It's a wild ride with Christina Aguilera. Like yeah. she seems so self-possessed in terms of she likes something she wants to do it Mm -hmm. right and whatever that is if it's like she thinks she's one of the andrews sisters or whatever she's gonna do it (laughs) yeah yeah you know yeah yeah. (laughs) she she thinks she's uh, i don't know she thinks she's sia or she thinks she's like who did she work she worked with um Linda Perry a lot. And she no, on that on on uh, on Bionic. Oh, she there worked was with tracks, um, Lady Tron and Lady Tron. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is like it, it, that was like such an obscure reference to me, and because of who I was at that point in time, I was very there for like a Lady Tron Christina well, Aguilera and, collab. And but. we'll talk about it because I, I don't like I. We'll talk about like why like I listen to that now, and I'm like, oh, this is good, but like. Yeah. It was, Why didn't we see it at the time? Yeah, and I think, you know, similar to sort of like, you know, bringing it back to the Mariah of it all. Like Mariah doing Glitter in an 80s nostalgia movie in the year 2000. The world wasn't mm-hmm. there for it. Like there was no context for that sort of nostalgia and or vocabula- shared vocabulary, right? And I feel like the same was true of what Christina was doing here. There wasn't enough, uh, you know of a vocabulary of voc- vocabulary the vocabulary within her fans and her general mm-hmm. audience to understand the influences that she was going for but also yeah. like i think in some ways we'll and again we'll talk about this as an artist you have to be able to translate that and execute it perfectly so that you can bring you know you can educate your listeners and bring them along on the journey that you're going and that you're going on and really help them understand like why this is something that you really love and why it really fits with you and i don't think christina aguilera is that artist hmm 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's kind of a cliche to say that someone is like ahead of their time. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that's been said about Christina Aguilera and some of these mm -hmm. releases that she was putting out that flopped at the time yeah. because I think they have aged pretty well. Yeah. But yeah, it is that thing of like, you know, when you're starting to collaborate with new people and working on these like sonically new kind of songs, mm -hmm. it's like, I always feel like there's that kind of um, canary in the, uh, canary in the K-hole? No, coal mine. canary in the, <laughs> the coal, coal mine. mine. <laughs> Not the canary in the K-hole. That's, that's different. That's yeah. something different. The canary in the coal mine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that thing of like the first person to like kind of break out and collaborate with someone that eventually becomes very big is not always the person that gets that credit. Yeah. 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 Right. We talked about Kelly Rowland mm -hmm. collaborating with David Guetta. She kind of helped him catapult him, but didn't get the credit, you know, because of uh, Sia and Rihanna. Yeah. And likewise with Christina Aguilera, I feel like she was a, a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of, you know, musicians that she wanted to work with and then you know it not being the right time for it or her fans yeah. not being ready for it and then ultimately you know we we know a lot of other sia penned songs mm -hmm. better than yeah. the two that we're talking about today well and there's also you know you know and i should save all of this for our conversation but like there's a lot oh, yeah. of there's a lot of other things not necessarily musically related you know mm -hmm. that oh, yeah, contribute yeah. Yeah. to why christina may not have been taken seriously at this point in her in terms I mean, of experimentation well i mean we i i don't know if you're going to get into it but we talked about the hashtag justice for glitter stuff mm -hmm. but there was also like a very big like hashtag justice for bionic um thing. yeah and it's it do you know who started that justice for bionic I mean, was it Perez Hilton? Yes. And okay, but he started the whole. Yeah, he was the he cause. He started of it anyway. the whole thing. That's that's why wow. it gets really weird and kind of crazy. We should talk. We, we yeah. should talk about Perez Hilton. Um, <laughs> or not? We don't have to. He's kind of. I mean, is he doing anything anymore? Uh, he, he just does, released right? a memoir, and that's how I know about some of this stuff because I was doing some oh. research. And um, if it if it gives you any indication of his standing in sort of the world, the only people that covered the releases of the memoir were like the Sun, the Mirror, okay. the Daily Mirror, or whatever, um, the Independent, <laughs> UK. Like it's it's all or, or like celeb celebnewsforyou.au au or whatever why did i know it was an <laughs> yeah. au yeah yeah and so i'm like okay like no one's touching this with a 10-foot pole so and i was like really hesitant to even read the articles i was like i'm gonna get some kind of virus yeah um, i just hope he i mean I, I mean i hope he set himself up well from those those like heyday years yeah. of perez hilton garbage that yeah. were just like i assume that he was he you was know, making millions raking, of dollars. I'm yeah, sure. raking in some money um, because, I mean, he's he's fully settled into like no one cares. Yeah, irrelevant. Yeah, and and just has fun. no friends either. So it's like sad. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, for good, good for good reason. Yeah. I mean, he's been well. He, I mean, he. It's funny because he was pro. He was very problematic. He tried to unproblematize himself, but I feel like you can't really eradicate. No 
that problematicness if it's just kind of like in in you in your heart and soul yeah if it's all self-serving yeah it's self-serving and it doesn't prevent those moments from resurging i think right yeah like i feel like there's it's almost like an like an addiction where you can kind of try your best to hold back your urges to be a shitty human being but if you lose focus yeah it's, <laughs> or you just get goaded into something like i feel like he's the type of person that can get can get goaded into some un, unsavory behavior still yeah and i mean like you, you know when you're like responsible you know in some way bear responsibility for the sort of toxic celebrity coverage that exists now and sort of the callousness and the cynicism with which we view celebrities. And, and, you know, it's, it is interesting, you know, when we talk about, you know, now that we're like what a good 10 to 12 years past, say like the Paris, Paris Hilton, Britney Spears, um, Lindsay Lohan, like, Mm -hmm. you know, maelstrom of like what how how younger women celebrities were covered at the time and the sort of lens and scrutiny that they were under and the lack of sympathy for um or empathy for like maybe not even the investigation into like why people may have been acting a certain way and how it was a cycle and like how unsupportive and unhelpful our 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 obsession was you you know know Perez, Perez Perez Hilton's brand of like internet quote unquote journalism mm-hmm. was almost entirely comprised of your knee jerk reaction and then uh, uh, poorly MS Paint generated uh, drawings of cum on yeah. people's face. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was not the most uh, measured or considered thinking about you know, what was going on in these women's lives or the sig- the significance or perhaps the lack of significance of any of it, right? Mm-hmm. That like, you know, because it happens to Britney. We can talk mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Um, we should probably move yeah, on yeah, and talk yeah. about that. But um, yeah, anyway, this is not a Perez Hilton podcast. Perez Hilton is garbage. Um, well, yeah. Sorry, and sorry, so- not sorry. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, and I do want to mention, you know, we did talk at one point about Mariah Carey's album caution and both of us said there are no singles on this album (laughs) it's like enjoyable i just want to now put it out there that uh maybe it was because i was stuck in traffic for the first time during quarantine or since quarantine started and uh the song the distance came on at quite a high volume in my car um and i was like Mm -hmm. wait this song is really good (laughs) so uh, I just want to go on the record and be like, okay, I like it better than I did before, and I don't want to sound like I hate the album. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I mean, and that's not the thing. that I hated I, the I album, liked, but you know, I like the album. Mm-hmm. I just think that when you're a record label and you're trying to figure out, like, okay, how do we get the most immediate hype for this album? We need a big impact single. Yeah, there is no big impact single that is on this correct. and that's fine. That is I correct. think that there's plenty of albums out there that serve as a good like just start to finish good experience there's just nothing that kind of stands out yeah anyway um uh, anything else anyway 
Anything yeah, else that I, you know, you know, you know what? There, I, I do have something else, Uh-oh. Jason. I would like to mention our website. Yes. Actually, you oh. should be doing this, but oh. <laughs> sorry, I, I meant you know. Do you have any other songs, clips, news, anything that caught your eye this week? But yes, nothing caught my eye this week. I was brain dead this week. So listeners, keep going, listeners. You can, of course, today and always find all of the things that we've talked about: ephemera, links, pictures, whatever, random thoughts from Barry. On our website um, at flopredeemer.com, or sorry, just flopredeemer.com. But you can also email us about things that you'd like to hear or or comments about anything that you have heard at flopredeemer at gmail.com. So please mm-hmm. do that. Oh, God, we're back. Okay. Um we're back. I have faith that I can speak and wax poetic on Britney Spears continuously for 40 minutes and get through something coherent. Um But get 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 ready. It's it's going to be a wild ride. I'm strapped um I am I am as ready to record this episode as Britney Spears was ready for her 2007 VMA performance of Gimme More. Um, I can't believe for, I can't believe that was six years before this song. Six years before this song, and fully what thirteen years ago from today. Ugh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's wild, and um, I am about that ready. Unfortunately for me, I don't have a track that I can just lip sync to through this. But <laughs> um, today. I'm talking about uh, Britney Spears' 2013 song, Perfume. This was the second and final single from her eighth studio album, Britney Jean. The song, it, uh, it peaks in the U.S. at number 76 on the Hot 100, while the album that it comes from, Britney Jean, peaks at number four on the Billboard 200, selling 107,000 copies in its first week. This album becomes her lowest peaking and lowest selling album to date, Mm. which actually surprised me. I was thinking that this was maybe written before the album after this glory comes out. Cause Mm. whoever even knows anything from Britney Spears's ninth studio album, glory. I was going to say, I don't, when did that come out? 2016. And then it's weird because it came out in 2016 in that Britney Spears has been on a little bit of a hiatus because of mm. hashtag free Britney. Mm-hmm. Um, they re-released the album in 2020 with like one extra song. It's very mm. weird. And a different cover. There was a, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes with Britney Spears's image. I think that they never know what to release, which image to release. Is it her full body? Is it her face? You know, they mm-hmm. never know what to do. Long hair, short hair, dark hair, light hair. Um, but yeah, no, the two, even after glory comes out, which featured the single make, make me with g easy oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um that album actually did well it it peaked higher and it sold more in its first week i think in the long run glory actually faded faster Mm. because it didn't glory i don't think even had a second single that came out Mm. anyway um Part of the reason that I'm so unprepared for today's episode is because I I was trying to do a whole quote unquote basis portion of this Britney Spears story. And I really went down the rabbit hole of like 
every single piece of shit that went down with her between like 2003 to 2007 and it's really easy to get stuck yeah. in that era and realize yeah. that oh wait the part of her career that i'm supposed to be talking about yeah. is 2013 mm-hmm. but i think that that actually helped me to form part of my thesis about what happens to britney spears around 2013 mm-hmm. is that after the events of 2007 2008 when britney spears is having a lot of public troubles um after that there becomes less and less of any kind of iconography to like latch onto with britney spears do you know what i'm saying yeah like i feel like in that even everything up to that point um baby one more time oops i did it again um not a girl not yet a woman there was always something culturally or iconography based that i could like latch myself Mm -hmm. onto with all those songs even up till this point where she goes into the blackout era she's shaving her head she's attacking paparazzi cars with umbrellas it's like that album blackout that had like give me more and peace of me like those songs were emblematic of all of those pop cultural events that were surrounding her and they kind of bolster each other and lift each other up Mm -hmm. to make it seem like it's something genuine and it's something actual that's happening to Britney Spears. Right. Mm -hmm. And in a similar way, like earlier in her career in a not so scandalous and negative way, she was able to capitalize on like the whole schoolgirl thing with baby one more time or the alien who for some reason receives the necklace from the Titanic from an astronaut and oops, I did it again. Like she was able to create these pop cultural moments that like you remember and you connect with Mm. that at a certain point just disappear. Yeah. And I think that that's definitely impacted in the song perfume and the album, Brittany Jean is that by 2013, there's very little that you feel like you know about Britney Spears. And um, I had been reading these accounts about Britney Spears as like a pop cultural icon. And someone described her as like a tabula rasa, hmm. like a blank slate that you can, that you were in some ways able to kind of project your image of what you wanted Britney Spears to be upon Britney Spears, right? Mm-hmm. She's this kind of playful schoolgirl image, or she's you know hypersexualized eighteen year old or whatnot, like or, uh, or there was fully a lot empowered, of, you know, in yeah. control of her sexuality, kind of. But you just yeah. have these images of her, but maybe you. It led me to start thinking about like, well, like what's beneath that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that what is revealed after everything kind of quote unquote settles down after the drama of like the mid 2000s is. I mean, there's a little bit of like a blankness Mm -hmm. to Britney Spears that emerges after that. Mm -hmm. It's like she can't she can't just revert back to the like nice southern girl that she Mm -hmm. was before everything that happened in 2006 2007 right but it's weird because watching interviews of her especially after all of that happens it's like she's just so 
you know, I, I want to be careful because I don't know what she is experiencing herself in terms of what she's struggling with, mm -hmm. but there's definitely like a blankness. Mm -hmm. There's like a nervousness about her and there's a blankness. Like she doesn't, like she maybe doesn't comprehend what people are saying to her or asking her mm -hmm. when they're asking her questions. She seems rather like unprepared to interact with other people, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, mm -hmm. in a way that she didn't earlier in her career. Mm -hmm. But I won't speak. I can't speculate on exactly what happened there, but I think it's interesting to note that for me anyway, once, once Brittany stops having these moments, whether good or bad, I think it makes it that much harder for me to connect to her music. Mm. That's like kind of my basic setup or what my framework for thinking about this song and why I don't think this song worked, even though I think it's a great song. Yeah, sense. no, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think I think it speaks to sort of the pop music machine, right? And, mm -hmm. and how, you know, it's all, it's all instrumental in crafting sort of this, this, this feeling that you discovered this person, you're on the same journey, all of the music is influenced by the real life events. And they, they sort of, it's a cycle and they reinforce each other. And then it, you know, from the drama or whatever that's happening while the album's out, it creates new art. And then, it, you know, it just keeps propelling their image forward. And, yeah. you know, Britney Spears is a is a is is probably one of our best sort of examples of how that machine can chew you up right and completely consume you and then when you come out the other side um in her case kind of a shell of who she was mm -hmm. um she may still desire to put things out but without that same machine like to your point, it doesn't connect in the same way because that was kind of the only framework we had for relating or understanding sort of her yeah. and the music. And there's not really a channel for her in a safe way, I guess, is a is, yeah. is a way of putting it of of um communicating sort of to people in a safe space who she is and what, what she really feels like, right? Like where it's, because yeah. it's, because it's being consumed and it's being consumed through the lens of who she quote unquote is. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's interesting that she hasn't been able to make that transition in the way that, in the way that I want to say a lot of her contemporaries kind of found their way through these past couple of decades. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's important for people to understand that like Britney Spears was really at the forefront of a resurgence of solo female pop vocalists mm -hmm. in the late nineties. Like that was not a thing that exists mm -hmm. and kind of in her wake, that's where we get Christina Aguilera. We get Jessica Simpson. We get Mandy Moore. Um, I was going deep diving. I was like, Oh, remember like Willa Ford? I was just going to say, or, or that girl, uh, Michaela. Do you remember Michaela? No, I that song. Not. So in love with, so in love with two, you know, the song. So in love with, I two. probably do. Cause I'm so in love with two and anyway I'm, and i mean who can forget hoku ho hoku yeah right like all of these white well it was the blonde, uh, teen, blonde princess thing. teen princess that wasn't a thing that existed prior to mm -hmm. that right mm -hmm. it was like i was thinking about it and actually in the 90s in san francisco where i grew up um we didn't have a top 40 pop station mm -hmm. There was there was hip hop R and B stations. Mm -hmm. There was alternative stations, and there was like kind of adult contemporary mm -hmm. stations. And I feel like the expectation, especially for solo female 
artists was that you could be pop, but you also had to have crossover potential into one of those three things. Right. Yeah. We talked about this with Mariah. We talked about this with Brandy. We talked about this even with like Aaliyah, right? That largely you could consider their music pop for mm-hmm. its time. Yeah. But it was also needing to cross over into like from for Mariah adult contemporary radio for Brandy yeah. or Aaliyah, like R&B hip hop radio. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because I was talking to um, Adam earlier this week and we were driving and, uh, you know, Spotify puts together a playlist called like your time capsule. And I'm not quite sure how it puts it together, but it's like, mine is garbage. Well, mine, <clears throat> mine was actually very good. Okay. <laughs> but it had, it had all these, it had like brownstone. If you want me, say it, if you need me, say it, you know, like, and then SWV mm. week. And when we talked about SWV, we talk about brownstone. We talk about these people like to your point, it's like, Cause, cause Adam was like, oh, I, I didn't really hear that. Like I, I didn't, I, I didn't listen to, or I, I forget what he, how he exactly put it, but my, my, my point was that was, I guess, pop, right? Because there, there was no like pop radio station and what, and I never yeah. thought about it at the time until now, but it's like, that's what everyone listened to. Yeah. Most of the stuff that I would consider pop today mm-hmm. Uh, from the 90s uh-huh. anyway, I would hear only on what is now considered like hip hop yeah, R&B radio. Exactly, exactly. Especially, yeah, it wasn't, too. Yeah. It wasn't until like my senior year of high school that I remember, I think San Francisco got a station called like Party 93.9 maybe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they needed stations that would play the Spice Girls and yeah. Backstreet Boys um, because otherwise those artists, despite being very big on MTV, there wasn't really a yeah. niche. Were they, niche, they, niche? They started a niche. The niche. <laughs> they, they, <A> niche. <laughs> they started being playing played on sort of like by default the adult contemporary station. Yeah. But and I feel like Backstreet Boys maybe could get by on adult contemporary. I feel like especially Spice Girls wannabe, like there was no place for that song because it was yeah. not you could not get you could not figure out where to put that song yeah. Yeah. at yeah. the time. And, um, there was just nothing like that before Mm -hmm. Backstreet Boys, before Spice Girls. And they talk about, you know, Britney Spears initially when she was getting shopped around, like they wanted her to be in a girl group because labels were like, there's no market for, um, like solo female pop artists. Like there will never be another Tiffany. There will never be another Debbie Gibson type Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. But obviously like. Britney Spears kind of led the charge towards yeah. proving that theory wrong. And I guess back to what I was trying to, the point I was originally trying to make though, was that like through all of it, through all of the people that came after Britney Spears kind of in the same vein, um, coming out of teenaged popdom into adulthood, I feel like, you know, Christina Aguilera, Jessica Simpson, Mandy Moore, they've all managed to like become adults like reveal their adult selves in an understandable way and become more relatable because of it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they've all kind of been able to express their identity in their own unique ways. Like, you know, Mandy Moore seems very serious and, uh, you know, artsy. Yeah. 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 I feel like Jessica Simpson was able to fully lean into her ditziness and just take you know, ownership over that. Yeah, I mean, I and become more I, beloved. I, I, yeah, but like, I my mean, point is yeah. like Britney Spears, like because because Britney Spears 
in contrast to someone like Jessica Simpson, who maybe isn't always in on the joke or maybe doesn't understand what's happening on the fly when she's getting interviewed, Jessica Simpson fully knows that about herself. She knows how to roll with the punches. She knows how to de- handle that yeah, as herself, well, I as think- her true, genuine self. Whereas I feel like when you see Britney Spears nowadays, especially in interviews, there's a sense that like she she's so scared to say anything and so shy that she honestly does not know how to express herself. Yeah. I mean, I, part of me, and again, I don't, I don't know enough about this because I, I, I don't fully go down that, the rabbit hole, but, and I, especially with Brittany, but you know, there is the aspect of mental health and, and, and just what is going on there that like could, could potentially like keep her in that state right? Like mm-hmm. of, of inability. I mean, we're talking about Jessica Simpson. I mean, all that is true, but like she writes in her memoir, like about her, her like alcoholism, you know, which has gone out, gotten out of control, which was a way that she dealt with everything and her like kind of like sex addiction, not really, but like, you know, just like, just, <laughs> but like, you know, the, the way she plunged herself into these um, toxic relationships and, and the yeah. way in which I think what's what you see with her there and what you see with maybe some of these others is they're able to talk about the things that, that mentally sort of uh, that, that, that really harmed their mental health and, and contributed to, you know, in some cases, physical self-harm and are able to process that publicly like privately yeah. and then publicly and i think I that think contributes a, to the relatability but i think britney spears you know obviously there's the conservatorship there's there's the whole thing question about like whether or not she's i mean just what was it just this this week like i think it was a her lawyer that was saying that she's basically kind of like a comatose person a sh- yeah she's like a shell of a human being yeah and that's i think that's the thing and as an outsider it's hard to discern like how serious a problem that is, right? Because she could, I mean, I could watch her and think she's just a really shy person Mm -hmm. who, you know, doesn't know how to roll with the punches when she's just having a candid conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like there's plenty of people in the world that are just like that. Mm -hmm. But most of those people don't pursue a life as a public figure, you Mm know? And I think because we've been with Britney so long... It, you you can see how that ability is something that she had in the past for whatever reason. You yeah. Know, she was able to sit down in interviews. You know, she's never been like the, the most amazing conversationalist, but she was at least always able to like speak up for herself or say something, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that I feel like uh, her nervousness is something that registers a lot more. Nowadays, like you look at a lot of the interviews that she did when she was a teenager or in her early 20s, there was a lot more ease about her, mm-hmm. you know, well, and she, yeah. it seemed like she was more able to speak off the cuff about how she was feeling about <clears throat> stuff or what she wanted to do. Um, you know, it's funny because um, as part of preparing for this and as part of the rabbit hole that I fell down, you know, in advance of actually researching this song or whatever is... Um, looking into that era from about 2003 to 2008, Mm -hmm. which is kind of where I feel like there was a massive upheaval in her public image. Mm -hmm. And I feel like though it's not germane to 
the song Perfume or the album Britney Jean, I think it does it does provide like the stepping stones to where we end up in 2013, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you start with like in 2002 when Justin and Britney break up, you know, and they had kind of been like this prince and princess of pop, very idyllic kind of image surrounding them. Mm-hmm. And then um, they break up and the rumors and speculation are that Britney had cheated on mm-hmm. Justin, mm-hmm. potentially with Wade, Ro- Wade yeah. Robeson, mm-hmm. right? Famously from Michael Jackson's um, jam video, yeah. but also famously an accuser of Michael Jackson. Yeah. Now, anyway, um, you know, but it's after that that she notes in her kind of iconic uh, Dateline interview with Matt Lauer in 2006, like when she's pregnant with her second child, she's full on like terrible wig, Brittany, um, that the breakup with Justin is really when the media starts to turn on her mm-hmm. and when the attention and the negative attention that the paparazzi plays on her is amplified and suddenly her life becomes a kind of a terror, yeah. you know? Well, and I, yeah. because, Go ahead. well, cause I, j- just to put that in a, into perspective and this goes back into like the iconography surrounding certain Britney releases and how I relate to them. So Justin and Britney break up in 2002, right? And after that, Justin releases his solo de- solo debut featuring the song Cry Me a River, right? And the video for Cry Me a River mm-hmm. contains a scenario and uh, a play acted thing. A with Britney lookalike. A Britney lookalike. Wearing a very kind of recognizably Britney outfit, mm-hmm. right? And that starts the rumors that Britney cheated on Justin. Britney was responsible for the breakup. It, it kind of tarnishes the squeaky clean image that she's had up to that point, except for like breast implant rumors, which I wanted to talk about, but I don't know how to talk about them except to mention them here. Um, I don't know. I don't know if she had them. She's not, right. Okay. But, um, and we wonder so, why she seems shy and anything to talk about anything now. It was so weird though. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, I feel like, that you know, whole, like, yeah. That whole thing, that whole thing. Cause it was like knee surgery. Did she get breast implants? It was all spec. It was all this crazy stuff around her. I guess it's always been crazy. Anyway. So justified comes out in the zone comes out in 2003. And that's where we get, um, every time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was always this, um, impression that like Brittany did not want to get too personal mm-hmm. with her music. Like different songwriters had mentioned that they were writing songs that they felt were very personally relevant to Britney and that the label was rejecting them saying like, um, no, Britney doesn't want to do something so personal. But so it's interesting that like in the same breath, basically Britney releases the song every time, which then feels like an apology to Justin Timberlake in some ways. Right. I don't remember. I mean, I know the song. I don't yeah, remember. No, because in the end of the bridge, she says, This this song's my sorry. Oh. Every time I see you in my dreams, something it's like oh. she's haunted. She's Got haunted it. by this like former relationship that she feels like she has something to apologize for. Is that the one where she's anyway. like committing like she has like a suicide attempt or something? Oh yes. My third song featuring um Yeah, a suicide uh, attempt. Someone dying in a bathtub. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I guess yeah. I mean, you know, talking about the the machine of it all and how everything is sort of, you know, 
they relate to each other and they're supposed to be in conversation with like the the public's perception of current events yeah. and gossip and like they all just sort of reinforce each other to 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 their own ends and i mean yeah. it's it's a t- i mean i don't know it's but regardless like in the zone comes toxic. out <laughs> yeah go ahead oh and isn't toxic oh i just meant zone? i just meant it is toxic but yes toxic okay. is a <laughs> i think the 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 depth to which that would poison a person the extent to which that would poison a person irreparably could should not be understated. <laughs> yeah. So, um, after after in the zone after uh, the disillusion of her relationship with Justin Timberlake, that's where it's Brittany goes to Vegas. She gets into a fifty-five hour uh, marriage with Jason Alexander, childhood friend Jason Alexander, not Jason Alexander from. Uh, Oh, I forgot about him. Sein- yeah, 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 yeah. Seinfeld? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not him. Not him. Um, I didn't realize this all happened so quickly because that's in January of 2004 that she gets married for 55 hours. By July of 2004, she's already engaged to Kevin Federline. Yeah. Um, I think we had previously mentioned that we couldn't remember who Kevin Federline's baby mama was. It's Char Jackson. That's right. Char Jackson was pregnant with Kevin Federline's second child when he got engaged to be married to Britney Spears. Yes. And then Britney Spears got pregnant. And then it became a whole they thing. Had a, they had a reality show on UPN, which is always a bad idea. Mm. UPN doesn't even exist anymore. It's what the CW now. I mean, never it was, get a, never, it was Moesha. <laughs> I, I mean, but everything. Well, UPN. Um, she gives birth to two children. She gets divorced from Kevin, Kevin Federline all between July of 2004 and November of 2006. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she, in that period of time, she also does these like two kind of iconic Dateline interviews. She does one with two in 2003 with Diane Sawyer. And then she does one in 2006 with Matt Lauer. So kind of before Kevin Federline and then kind of, to the tail end of her relationship with Kevin Federline. And it's rather striking to see the difference in her between those two periods of time. Mm. But again, in, in contrast to the kind of shell like behavior of her more recently, um, in both interviews, she's really ready to argue for herself. Mm -hmm. She really has like talking points to say, like people treat me like this, but I want, I can't even think. She compares herself to like Goldie Hawn or she aspires to be Goldie Hawn at one point. Mm. And it makes a lot of sense when she's saying it. No. Anyway. So after the divorce from Kevin Federline, then we get into 2007 and that's her aunt passes away that she's very, very close to. I didn't realize all this stuff happened in the sequence either. Her aunt passes away. It's after that, that Brittany does the thing where she goes to Tarzana to shave her head. She gets tattoos. She very briefly checks in and out of rehab and then out of rehab attacks a paparazzi car with an umbrella. And then I think she goes into treatment, comes out of treatment. She does this, uh, photo shoot with okay magazine. Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. She wanted to clear the air. She wanted to tell her side of the story, but, um, you know, reportedly that photo shoot for okay magazine was a mess. She was wiping up her dog's, poop and pee with like a Chanel dress and eating fried chicken and wiping it all over a Gucci dress. Just very not, it didn't achieve what I think she was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And this all culminates in the VMA performance, which happens in September, 2007. Also not a great look for Britney, but 
I would say actually a rather iconic moment in pop culture. I mean, and that yeah, all yeah. that all leads up to the October 2007 release of Black, the album Blackout with the single Give Me More. Mm-hmm. And as much of a disaster as that was, that album was actually a great album and it didn't perform that poorly, mm-hmm. you know, considering that she was rather out of um, like she she wasn't totally fully available to promote that album. Right. Mm-hmm. So my point in talking about all of that stuff that happens in the mid 2000s, as I've said before, like it's interesting to me that one that kind of it leaves us in the aftermath, not knowing what to make of Britney Spears, really, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. But it's also interesting to me that even in all these times of like a negative public image for Britney Spears, that negative public image still nonetheless, it supports the releases that she's putting out Mm -hmm. and leads her to some pretty big iconic hits. Mm So getting into what happens in the Britney Jean era, I thought it was interesting, by the way, that uh, this will be the second album that I talked about containing the artist's middle name. The first being Demita Joe. Uh-huh. And now we're on to Britney Jean. It's like you like similar things. <laughs> I feel like, like the music industry just circles the same things. Like, is Sierra's middle name Jackie? Is that why she had an album so. called Jackie? Okay, maybe I'll talk. Maybe I'll get around to that one and well, and that's why um, you know, caution is Mariah's middle name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, an interesting thing happens uh, prior to the release of. Uh, Britney Jean, which contains the song Perfume, which is that Jive Records, Britney's longtime label, shutters its doors. There's a massive restructuring of all of like the Sony BMG, Sony Music family companies in 2011. And so they streamline it. And um, J Records, which was um, Clive Davis's record label, and then Jive Records, which was like, you know, the iconic home of uh, Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys those are abruptly folded back into RCA, which is, I think, I think that's Christina Aguilera's like Mm -hmm. long time label. Right. So, um, Brittany gets folded into the RCA family, um, with Christina. And, um, it seems like some of the fan understanding of this is that unlike Jive records, RCA was not, all about kind of like the beating you over your head promotional schedule Mm -hmm. that Britney had been doing for her previous stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, the album Britney Jean, which is Britney Spears's first release under RCA is notable for its complete lack of promotion. Mm -hmm. She really doesn't do a whole lot of promotional appearances. She doesn't do a lot of live performances for this album. And, um, that could be because she was now with RCA and they had a different strategy for her. Or it could also be that she was in the process of launch, launching her um, Las Vegas residency at that point in time. Mm. Because the majority of the things that happened for her promotionally in 2013 are surrounding preparations for the Peace of Me Las Vegas residency. Was that seven years ago? 
it launched in 20, I think it started in the beginning of 2014. So this album comes out at the end of 2013. And then by the beginning of 2014, she is, she, I mean, she's also kind of proving the formula for Las Vegas residency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that was, that was a big point that was made at the time. Like without like no one like Britney Spears would have ever performed in Vegas. You think it's always going to be Robert Goulet and Tom Jones and um, Gladys Knight. Well, look at the, you know, you never, I mean, you would never think, you would never think that someone like Jennifer Lopez, for example, would do a Las Vegas residency. It's truly, it's the power of Celine Dion. She upended that whole thing by doing her, she was the first one. To have yeah. the, the big residency but and prove the success that, of like, that. And then Celine Dion transitioning into a Las Vegas residency was not as shocking as something like a Britney Spears doing a Vegas residency, I guess. Sure. Yeah. But it was, but it was also like Celine Dion when she did it, it wasn't like she was at the end of her career. She did it fairly no, early, right? Guess, it was, it was, for me, it was a mid career. It's fairly thing. early, fairly early, but I guess for me, it was, it was not unexpected for like a belter you know <laughs> yeah. like a, a singing powerhouse to do a las vegas residency because i think that you like sit and you like listen <laughs> you, you you sit you don't think of it as like a big concert production you think of it as someone coming out and singing songs to you right which is where like in the format of a celine dion or a mariah carey i feel like you can easily understand that that format mm-hmm but I never would have thought that someone like a Britney Spears or a Jennifer Lopez, where you really think of like the appeal of those experiences being kind of like the big production mm-hmm. of it. Essentially, you're seeing a light show with dancing with a backing track played over yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess I disagree slightly because, okay. because Celine's whole thing when she came out was that th- she was partnering with, um, was it Drake? What's, what's his name? The, the one who does, um, who did O. The producers of O oh and like Cirque du Soleil. So there mm. was this whole idea that not only like it wasn't just, you know, like a concert at Madison Square Garden, it was a full on Vegas production. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, that coupled with you're seeing your belter, you know, for lack of a better word, um, sort of enshrouded in, in, in like all of this Vegas production. I think it, it that's sort of new thing. And I think it, it does create a stage where, you know, you can maybe not in 2003 or whenever Celine started, but like by the time 10 years later that Britney's going to do it, people have become sort of used to going to Vegas for these big concert type of productions. And yeah. I think, you know, I think the thing to me that's most surprising about um, a Britney, Britney doing it in JLo is the level of activity and, and energy that's required to put on, you mm-hmm. know, the kinds of shows. I think, I think to your point, maybe not the spectacle, but just like the sheer effort of the performer to put on shows like that five days a week or whatever. Yeah. I guess, I guess, I mean, to go back to the Celine Dion, I mean, I think Celine Dion is responsible for popularizing the residency for an artist whose career is not completely mm-hmm. decomposed. <laughs> but I don't think, I, I mean, even hearing that Britney Spears was going to have a residency at the time, I was uh-huh. very skeptical because it is that thing of like, I, I like the idea of hearing someone sing live in a small intimate venue. Yeah. Right. That that's something that's actually lost in a bigger venue. Like when you get into like a smaller venue. Yeah. 
like the idea of being able to hear Celine Dion sing live, hear Mariah Carey sing live. Mm-hmm. That's great. I don't know if I want to see someone dance yeah. in a smaller space and then lip sync. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think what's interesting too, though, is with, with Britney and the, the thing about Britney in 2014 is like, you know, seven years before she'd had that disastrous performance, she really hadn't performed in a way that really captured sort of the energy of her earlier in her career. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because of all those knee surgeries. Well, but also just, <laughs> but like, you know, like I think the discussion about men- her mental health, if I'm not mistaken, was already well underway at that point. Yeah. I mean, and, and so I think there's yeah. also the uncertainty of like, well, what, what am I seeing with the Britney Spears show? Like to your point, like, yeah, if she's not like, she's not necessarily known for her singing and if it's going to be about dancing, but what we know about the dancing is that it's not, you know, up as, as it's not as hard hitting as it was before. Cause that was a big mm-hmm. deal going into the announcement of her residency. I think she did a couple like performances to kind of show that she still had it. Right. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, it's just it's just kind of weird. And then you couple that with sort of like the public conversation about like what had been going on and yeah. you know, and it's like yeah. Yeah, and I think that you really don't know day to day what you're gonna get. Yeah. Cause I think that even as she's doing the residency, if you look at different audience um like self-captured video type stuff, understandably, like she's doing this show five or six days a week, right? Sometimes she's full energy. Sometimes she just seems a little yeah, tired, yeah. which I think is understandable. Yeah, totally understandable. Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, sometimes she's singing live and it yeah. sounds fine. Yeah. Sometimes she's not singing live and it sounds perfect because she's not singing live. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> Brittany. You've, you've become Mariah Carey. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of weird parallels between what happens. I feel like it, it really does speak towards like the toxicity of stardom in a way. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's very little promotion for this album. Um, the executive producer on this album, Brittany Jean, is um, Will I Am. Yes, because the, the, this kind of follows up the success of uh, the Will I Am song "Scream and Shout," which featured Brittany. I forget that song. Anyway, yeah, Will I? When I, I looked up, when scream I and shout oh, and let it all yeah, out. yeah, 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 yeah. And it's 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 interesting because. Um, you know, I feel like it's, it's in no small part because of the success of that song that then he is, um, tasked with executive producing this upcoming album for her under RCA. Um, you know, notably like she had been working with Max Martin and Dr. Luke, Mm -hmm. uh, like consistently for all of her previous albums. And they're like, not around for this Mm -hmm. one. I don't know how much that had to do with what was going on with Dr. Luke and Kesha at the time. Because this this comes after Femme Fatale, and Femme Fatale had um, that song "Till the World Till the World Ends," which was written by Kesha and Dr. Luke, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's like shortly after that that the Kesha Dr. Luke, uh, you know, controversy kind of happens, mm-hmm. and then then it's announced that okay, Britney's working with Will I Am, but the album is led off with the single "Work Bitch," right? Mm-hmm. Like you were mentioning to me earlier, like you didn't even realize that work bitch and perfume were two singles off the same album. Mm-hmm. Um, and similar to like what we were talking about with Mariah Carey last week, um, 
And I think you were ta- kind of talking about how she hits this point where she's just trying to reinvent the same thing over and over again for like a decade. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was this attempt like to give Britney ownership over the word bitch. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that it's Britney bitch thing from um, give me more became pretty iconic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they reuse that refrain in scream and shout with will I am. And then they have her come up with her follow-up single work bitch, which is kind of stupid because they can't play the song work bitch on radio. So they have to call it work, work like in the grand tradition of people trying to to remove profanity from their profanity, profanity laden songs. Yeah. Work bitch becomes the very, very neutered work, work, which is stupid. So this song doesn't actually perform that well on radio, you know? Yeah. Cause it's one, it's one of those songs that I think of as like an iconic Britney song, but there's so many like, do you know how many number one songs Britney has had? No. She said five. Oh. What's what 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 songs of Britney's do you think were number ones? Baby one more time. Oops, I yes. did it again. Nope. No. What's the one where she is it crazy? Nope. Uh uh the um let's see. Um It's really toxic? weird. <laughs> no. What about what's the one where uh, they're writhing around? Um, uh, and she she's got the snake. Slave for you? Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> My God, I know nothing. Okay, and this is this is where I realized that like Britney Spears is so iconic because of the TRL music video generation. Yeah. That really, uh, you know, none of those things had any impact on chart performance. Britney Spears was actually very rarely played on the radio, I realized. Mm. And that that that's like a factor in the Billboard Hot 100. Baby One More Time was a number one. Her next number one was Womanizer. Oh. Oh. Huh. That's weird. Everything else in between was like, you know, it would go number maybe top 10, maybe top 20. Mm-hmm. But after that, her her number ones are uh, Womanizer, three. You remember that song? No. One, two, three. Oh, 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 yeah. It was like from a, it was like a, from a greatest hits compilation. Hold it against me was number one. Uh, S and M, the the uh, the, the version one? that she features with Rihanna. You know, there's like oh. a Rihanna featuring Britney. I version. don't know that song. I mean, I know. No, I don't. No. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I won't. No, I don't want it's those weird. two things in my head. Wait, did I get through five? No. no wait. Yeah, I think that's the five. Anyway. um, What was my point? <laughs> I don't know. Just that number one. She's never been a, she's never been a huge chart yeah. performer. Uh-huh. And that continues into this work bitch thing. But I think that they're trying to recapture that. Anyway doesn't totally work well the song God, I should... this work bitch okay. doesn't really go anywhere it like, doesn't it go starts anywhere off strong and you want it to have like a harder hitting like chorus or like a bridge or something that really takes it home and it just sort of plateaus it's it's fun i mean it kind of keeps it gets you that that beat is good yeah. but like the i could you know the, the visuals of the video were pretty good but it's it just doesn't it doesn't close I mean, it doesn't open really. Yeah, 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 yeah. It neither opens nor closed. No, it's just just there. It's it's a sealed, it's a hermetically sealed bag of (laughs) pop. Um, (laughs) So interestingly enough, though, in relationship to that, 
This was largely marketed as Britney's quote unquote most personal album yet. Uh, yeah. I read that. I, that was like a weird marketing strategy for me in the face of like that she had very public, publicly been going through struggles in the blackout era. And you feel like a lot of those songs on blackout at least indirectly feel like of that era. Right. Yeah. But and I guess then yeah. the, the follow up was circus, which was kind of like, um, you know, the post blackout pulling things back together. I feel like sonically, that album very much felt like it felt like that, like post blackout. Yeah. But I, I guess, I guess the, I, I, as a marketing person, I can kind of understand those, those two albums being like of, of a piece with the, the stuff that was going on with her, but also mm-hmm. not being personal because of like, like a, a perceived or, or a projected slickness. And like, okay. you know, sort of the package of it. I mean, and, and not saying that this one is less packaged. I don't think this one is. I don't think. I don't think that this is more personal. I don't think so either. Album. I don't think so either. But I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, I can. I From the artwork. So sort of like. just, just She's like, my hair's down. And um, there's a neon heart, right? I think on the, on the album cover. It's just. Yeah. I, can, I can see it as a, as a, I don't think that it's necessarily strangely marketed that way. It makes sense to me whether or not that is true. Cause I think the marketing is separate from the product. <laughs> I think that the most personal thing revealed on this album is that Britney Spears's middle name is Jean. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't in know the rest of the album. Releasing song, you know, like in that I I have these deep personal connections to songs like uh, Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman mm-hmm. or um, Every Time. Mm-hmm. Right. Those all felt very personal to things that were happening at the time those albums were released or like Gimme More or Peace of Me. Mm-hmm. All those songs felt very relevant to what was going on at that point in time. 2013. Um, Britney was also exiting her engagement to her former manager, Jason Trawick. Mm. Remember she was like engaged to be married. Everything seemed like it was going to be great. And they uh, kind of abruptly broke up because there's always these rumors that like Britney is kind of set up into her relationships by her father or something in order to have someone that just kind of babysits her. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's always been the rumor that circulates about her string of boyfriends that she always had that mm-hmm. like they're there to they're kind of on the payroll to look after her mm-hmm. in some way or another, you know, but her engagement breaks off in 2013. So that's where this song perfume comes in is that the song perfume that she writes with Sia is reported to be about that breakup, which I don't. I mean, that is it, there were three is it of weird them that I'm like, I don't know. Did, well, yeah. I don't know if I see the connection. I mean, yeah. I could see the connection, but she's, she would also be making some implications that like this man that she was engaged to be married to for over a year was still in communication with an ex that Brittany was getting suspicious and was dousing or wanted to like douse him in her scent to let other women know like this guy's taken, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 a tenuous connection that I was it's like just, really. I mean, like, well, this... and and it's it's a very it's not it's not a unique scenario. 
No, I, and I think that's the thing is that <laughs> none of these songs feel necessarily unique. I feel like lyrically, maybe they're coming at things in a little bit more of an oblique fashion. Oblique because, by oblique, do you mean overly simplistic? Oblique, there's because like, there's, oh, some, lyric, there's some lyric. There's some lyric. I don't to know. Say acute. There's some lyrics in this song. <laughs> I mean, no, it's this, it's this thing of like saying things in like a. a kind of a from the side unexpected way because oh. what she's saying in this song i think to your point is that she's basically saying she, the the lyric is like i'm going to mark my territory yeah, yeah. like it sounds she wants, so weird so the song the song lyrically is about a woman who is suspicious of her boyfriend and any kind of potential ongoing relationship he might have with an ex and she's trying to overcome her kind of paranoia but at the same time, she's saying, like, you know, I want to douse you with my perfume so that if she's around you, she can smell me and mm-hmm. she knows that I'm here, mm-hmm. you know. But the the phrase that's in the lyric is like, I'm going to mark my territory, which sounds like a peeing on somebody. Yeah. Reference. It's a strange it's a strange reference because I, uh, I had, second peeing on someone reference in two weeks. I had <laughs> I had never heard this song before. And no one did. It, it was a, it was a flop. I, I, but I, as I texted you last night when I listened to it, I was like, "Is this one of my favorite Britney Spears songs potentially?" I don't. It's I, so good. I mean, yeah. It's, I, I was like, "What is think, this? This is great." I will. I will, by way of my sh- very short analysis of this song, I think that this is a great song, but it would be better as a Sia song. I, I think you know, and we'll talk about it when we get to my song with Christina Aguilera. I think Sia. There's a, there's a, the thing about Sia is she really provides a platform for when she writes songs for other artists, she really provide, provides a platform for performance, right? Where mm-hmm. they can dig into potentially the emotion or whatever of the song, of the story that's being told in a way that maybe some of their other songs haven't been able to. It just puts a different frame. I think, I think there's a, because it's kind of like a Sia characteristic. Like if you listen to Sia songs, they seem very yeah. searingly personal. And to your point, like about, you know, Britney not necessarily being super personal before. Not super personal, but I I think it makes it a little bit unbelievable for Britney to embody this song. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, that, yeah, I it's a little clumsy with, in like, its execution. With Sia being a very eccentric personality. Mm-hmm that Sia can carry off a lot of these rather outlandish lyrics. Like I'm going to mark my territory. Mm -hmm. Like Sia can spit that lyric and I'll believe it. And I'll understand what she's trying to say. Britney Spears says it. I don't know if I buy it. It sounds very flat coming from her. It's it's, flat. I don't know if she even, I I'm not convinced that she understands the metaphor (laughs) of the song. You know, yeah. it's it it really it really is that thing where at this point in time she's a little bit blank for me. Yeah. Like I don't know I don't know what makes her her, what she is contributing to her music beyond her visage. I just, I, right? I I kind of see it as like uh, um you know when you watch a movie and there's a an actress that's playing a role and you don't really believe her in that role. Like, it's like just anything not... Scarlett Johansson's ever done. I like her as Black Widow. 
I mean, Scarlett Johansson is about as monotone as me. So, <laughs> and her voice is about as deep as mine. Yes. She was great in ghost world as the monotone, deep voiced friend. Mm-hmm. But everything after that, I was like, wow, Scarlett Johansson cannot modulate the tone of her voice. Did you like, no, she wasn't in closer. That was uh, Natalie Portman. <laughs> Just any other time yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah, Scarlett yeah, yeah. Johansson, I've been like, wow, like, you know her vocal range is like uh yeah, it's, half it an is. Octave. oh my god now i'll never not see you as scarlet Torrance. <laughs> hey you know what <laughs> there she is taking another asian person's space so. <sighs> damn it so i had never heard this song before and you know you and i we we go way back with sia so i think mm-hmm. you know hearing that uh, not even realizing that she had done a song with Sia and then trying to like place it in the timeline was really interesting last night for me. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed this song. I think it has, I love that sort of like, there's like an eighties synth beat under the chorus. It's like, 80s. It goes, where do people get eighties? I, I was reading that in all of the reviews. I was like, eighties, eighties. It reminds okay. me of like an eighties movie, like a teen movie. Like I can just see huh. that, like do 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 do. You know, it's like it's like when they're driving at night or something. Like, okay, I get that. You right? know what? You know what? I mean, listening to it isolated now. I just listened to it just the second. Uh-huh. I can hear that. Yeah. What takes this f- song fully out of the '80s reference to me? Because it was written up as like this '80s styled ballad. Is when the piano comes in. Well, yes. Well, and I think, but but I think there you have like sort of because because. Because we were listening to it, Adam hadn't heard it before either, so we had like this listening party last night, and <laughs> and it's funny if you listen to this song on your headphones and you're like on your laptop or whatever, and you 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 look at it on YouTube, the vocal mm-hmm. mix, the way that the the production or the way that's mixed for YouTube is very different than when you hear it just like sort of you're listening to the album version on your speakers mm-hmm. like. It, it sounds so much flatter that way. And the production doesn't sound as immersive. In the studio recording in the versus studio the studio recording video. versus whatever they did on the video. In the video, and maybe it's because the visual element is there and you're following the story and it's like, you know, you, it's like eating with your eyes, right? Like how that, how that all happens. And it feels so much more enveloping. And it just felt a lot flatter, like just listening to the isolated just music without the visual. Okay. And so then we started looking up, well, like who produced it? And that's when I learned Will I Am produced it. And I was just thinking, like, yeah, you know, I think it's a limitation of Will I Am. Okay. Partly. Right. That's something that I want to talk about. Yeah. Because one of the things that a lot of fans at the time responded to negatively was will i am's involvement in this Mm. album Mm. that a lot of fans felt like will i am ruined this album Mm. because what happens in the release of this album is that you know the whole thing is scheduled to release on britney's birthday Mm. but everything leaks Mm. so the the single work bitch leaks in advance of its release a lot of tracks off of the album including a song called alien and a song called passenger release in uh they leak in full before the album is set to be released so they do this rush to get the album onto digital streaming platforms and then physical release on britney's birthday Mm -hmm. as scheduled um but what happens as a result is that people get a hold of things like i don't know how this happened people got a hold of the stems like the recording yeah yeah studio stems 
of the original sessions. Well, is that, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so this is what happens though, is that people have the stems, the official versions come out when the album is rushed to release and people are like, what the, f what is happening? But these are very hardcore fans because it took me forever to actually like hear what was hap what mm -hmm. people were listening to. Yeah. But I guess because people had access to these demos, people had access to these stems and people have infinite amounts of time to just analyze this stuff. People were like, okay, a lot of these vocals that end up getting used in the final versions are not Britney Spears's vocals. And so a huge ghost singing, mm -hmm. ghost vocalist, conspiracy theory kind of springs forth. And this is something that's followed Britney Spears for a long time. Uh, there's a woman named Maya Marie mm -hmm. who is credited with doing backing vocals for Britney Spears. But the suspicion is that in a lot of instances, Maya Marie's vocals are either blended into Britney's vocals or completely replaced into Britney's vocals. And what happens in Britney Jean is that when someone leaks the actual stems, like the individual mm -hmm. recorded tracks that are used in all of the songs, people are noticing that um, stems that are attributed to the backing vocalist, Maya Marie are the ones that end up appearing in the studio version of the track on the album. Mm. So there's entire sections. There's actually a whole breakdown of this on YouTube. So uh, a very uh, observant fan goes through the entire Britney Jean album and marks out vocals that they believe were not sung by Britney Spears at all. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember at the time that a lot of people were really upset at Will I Am about this because there were like kind of work in progress demos that mm -hmm. leaked that clearly had Britney's vocals on them. But what happens with Britney Jean, what, what, what happens with a lot of these songs is that there's a choppiness to it. There's kind of a fuzziness to the production of it. Mm -hmm. Again, to your, your, your point about Will I Am and mm -hmm. like, did Will I Am have the chops to make this all happen? Mm -hmm. There are these weird decisions where um, it sounds like two vocal takes are chopped almost in the middle of a word. Yeah. And it, I can, I can it, cre it creates a glitchiness where you're like, okay, was the intent to get this kind of glitch sound into it? Because it almost sounds like you didn't realize you were cutting her off in the middle of a word. Hmm. And with the revelation of the leaks of the stems, people are like, well, he basically had to get Britney's vocal out here and then cut in Maya Marie's vocals here. And that's why there's this, pop it's like a it's like a pop noise that happens in the middle of a word hmm. and people are like why did this happen how did how did anyone allow this to happen right that fans on first listen can be like wait in the middle of this line something happens right mm -hmm. well do you like the song <laughs> i love this song. okay, okay. i love this yeah. song um, I think that, you know, what people talk about in terms of overall why Britney Jean didn't do well, overall why Perfume didn't do well, um, in addition to all these things, in addition to the leaks, in addition to Will I Am's involvement, in addition to um, allegations of ghost singing, 
when you look at what was happening around the same time, you know, Britney was competing against like um, Miley Cyrus, like Wrecking Ball came out in 2013. Mm. Um, Katy Perry's Prism came out in 2013. Mm -hmm. That was Roar. Was that mm -hmm. that song? Roar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Lady Gaga's Art Pop came out that year. Right. So whereas in contrast to the beginning of her career, Britney Spears's career, where she was really kind of first to market mm -hmm. in that period of time and yeah. the music that she was making was just not something that people were hearing at the time necessarily. Mm -hmm. By the time we hit 2013, there is a lot of other competition in that area. Mm -hmm. And again, like when you're looking at artists like Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, or Miley Cyrus. And I think about my perception of those women's personas and their personalities. Mm -hmm. And I compare it to what I think of Britney Spears at that point in time. You know, there, there's just automatically more of a connection for me to any of those other artists. You feel like they, there's a savviness there that puts them in direct connection with their image in a way that everything leading up to that moment for Britney, you not just that you suspect, you know, is not true. Mm -hmm. Right. Like to your point about the blankness that like the blankness, I mean, it's like just the yeah. fact that Katy Perry, Miley Cyrus or Lady Gaga have anything. I want to close it off by saying this. Okay. I was, I fell down the rabbit hole of so much archive Britney stuff because it's interesting to look at uh -huh. the progress that she made throughout the two thousands, like in retrospect, knowing what we know now. Mm -hmm. And I was rereading the Rolling Stone article that she did in 99 with the iconic cover of her, like mm -hmm. laying on her bed on the telephone with the teddy bear. And, um, in that interview, they were asking her about, like her romantic relationships and rumors, right? So rumors of Britney Spears at the time that she was dating Lance Bass, or maybe she was just dating Justin Timberlake. Mm -hmm. And maybe she was dating Nick Carter. Right. And so they're asking her about these rumors and she says, I have no feelings at all. <laughs> and I read that. I was like, Oh, that's so, that's such a weird quote to look at. Now. In terms of, yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. So, Britney Spears, I stand Britney. Don't, I, I know it sounds like I don't, but I do kind of. No, I mean, I think it's clear that you do. I mean, talk oh, about these you know, fans. What I do love about this song is that for me, for me, like, the chef's kiss of Britney songs are a lot of her kind of, um, like, trip-hoppy softer electro inspired music. Mm. And I feel like this, this kind of taps back into that. Trend. Okay. Yeah, no, I, uh, that was the, that was the part of the song that I really connected with. She has these great songs throughout her discography that are a little more chill, not quite so dancey, not quite so poppy. She has songs like unusual you or like out from under. Uh, there's this song called like, don't hang up that was like a b-side unreleased japanese track it's always those songs that i actually really like from britney spears because i think that they complement the softness of her voice very well yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it plays in the um in the sweet spot for her. Yeah. 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 And, and she doesn't no no ghost singing required. Well, well one day we'll have to do a flop redeemer like profile on the how alternative teen Barry became like the the number one Britney Spears fan <laughs> in our friend group. <laughs> what do you how do you feel does 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 the fact that Sia's written this song or had any involvement with it at this particular time is that anything more than like a fun like trivia note or do, do you think there's it's squandered potential like what do you think i mean i think what's interesting to me about the Sia aspect of this song is that Sia had kind of risen up to be very hyped as like a new fresh songwriter that Mm -hmm. everyone wanted to work with. Mm -hmm. But I think that what was proven over time is that Sia's songwriting is not for everybody. Yeah. Okay. That I think that this song is great despite Britney Spears. I think that this song would have been better as a Sia song. Mm -hmm. It is still great as a Britney Spears song. But it, it is a better. bit disarming to hear it delivered by Britney Spears, yeah. who I don't think has the depth to express the the eccentricity of these lyrics in a comforting way, mm-hmm. in a not totally, I think this is wrong way. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting in that regard because I always wonder when there are these kind of buzzy songwriters and there's a desire for everyone to work with a particular person, mm-hmm. right? You see this with blood orange or, uh, Justin Tranter and Julia Michaels, right? Did they became very buzzy for a bit and are still very buzzy. But I think when you look at the results from a lot of these songwriters that get a lot of buzz, you realize like, Oh, the formula doesn't always work. It takes a special combination of songwriter and vocalist mm-hmm. to make magic happen mm-hmm. um so with that that is a that i guess that's a very tentative redemption of this song i think it's but still it's worth good. a listen especially it's if you're good. not I mean, like a the huge fact, Britney Spears the fact that fan. you listened to this mm-hmm. and thought it was a cool song yeah i think is the greatest redemption that it could ever receive <laughs> because you know i i have not known you to know any Britney Spears songs in the entire time we've been friends. So put that into the blender and mix it or whatever. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's anyway, a good thing I don't like smoothies. I went way over. Let's move on. I think that uh, Britney Spears has been redeemed. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen the light. She's been redeemed. I, I We've seen the light on Britney Spears. Let's move on. All um, right. Perfume. Check it out. It's about peeing on someone <laughs> with your perfume, peeing on them with your perfume. I thought it was a really artful uh, ad for her perfume, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The synergies. Going to mark my territory. Yeah. And you can, too. (laughs) Yes. uh, Mark your territory with Britney Spears. And uh, tune in next week when we will be posting the second half of this episode where Jason will tell us all about the Sia penned tune, You Lost Me, sung by Christina Aguilera. Until next time, we'd like to give some special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopperdeemer.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And check us out on social media at flopperdeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebook.com slash flopperdeemer. As always, you can email us at flopperdeemer at gmail.com. Flopper